Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. And welcome to Olympic Fever's Paralympic coverage of Pyeongchang 2018. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison Anyanhasio, how are you doing? You are so excited to break out that one of two I Korean words am, you know. I know, I'm so excited because I missed saying it. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice you, to do it because it means we're celebrating. I know, and and you have not gotten rusty. You haven't lost it yet. <laughs> so you're good. Yeah. So we are. And we in... are back in Pyeongchang. Yes, it's been great. And I will yeah. say it's interesting because the weather is different. It's much warmer there now, and they've been saying that you know I see uh, one of the my notes was. How are the cross-country skiers in short sleeves? Right. The other day, I, they were saying, oh, the snow is like skiing in mashed potatoes. And then today, the analyst was saying how you could see puddles on the track because it's so warm. And I know that they had, before the game started, they had a big dump of snow, which was great. But at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, what's what are those conditions like? And are they really ideal for competition? Right. And they... In the first Olympic round, it was so cold. That wasn't ideal either. Right. Because that was hard on the athletes. It made it so frozen that it was too slick. And now it's too warm. So that right. was a quick yeah, change. It's really, it's really interesting. I, I will say I subscribed to a newsletter called The Sports Examiner. And the editor, Rich Perlman, was talking about the Paralympics and how they're, it almost seems like they're an afterthought because you get kind of overwhelmed by Olympic coverage. And then a couple weeks later, you have the Paralympic Games and everybody's kind of burnt out of, of Olympic coverage. So his suggestion was, why not have the Paralympic Games a year ahead of time? Because you have pretty much all those venues done and they could be a good test event and people would get excited about them and you'd have them on their own. And because they're, like and they're, they're just such a short fraction or a small fraction of what the Olympics is, he did the did the breakout in here in Pyeongchang in 2018. There are only 567 Paralympians, and that's 19% of what was there for the Olympics. And even I was thinking the summer about games, that after yeah. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that afterthought. So it's interesting that that, you know, I wasn't sure if that was just because I hadn't watched them before. Right. So that's interesting that he brought that up. I was thinking the same thing, like, does this feel like the ugly stepsister? It does. Yeah, it it kind of does. And even the summer games, there's just a fraction. In Rio, the Paralympians were only 39% of the total Olympians. So it, it, and because there are so many fewer sports, you could prioritize those venues, have a Paralympics, and then have everything else for the rest of the year. You know, yeah. you've got the I rest like, of the year I to like that idea I love that idea. And also then it forces, you won't get into the Athens-Sochi situation where you get to the games and there were things not finished. Right. It does. It would force you to finish things in short order, but then you'd also have like the stadium that they're using twice. It would at least be done for a year, and you'd have and could get used. You, yeah, you can have some other events during the summer in it and use it up a little bit, and then have the Olympics and then tear it down, if that is what you're going to do. Sadly. Well, speaking of the stadium, should mm-hmm. we start with the opening ceremonies? Yes. Oh, they were beautiful. That's my takeaway. I was going to say, what I wrote down, Pyeongchang, three for three on ceremony so far. Right? Oh, my gosh. That, it was beautiful. That lighted floor is so I wrote down amazing. the same thing. Yes, with the, the way they would have vibrations uh, showing up in lights going across it and all of the the dancing and the the pathway i loved the lighted pathway that the the paralympians yep. walked down when they entered the stadium it was beautiful it was really nice i and i know other uh, opening ceremonies in the past have used the projection floor i think i know sochi did i think london did they may I, have, think, I know rio did it felt like the way that pyeongchang has used that projection floor isn't an afterthought it isn't look at this cool technology Right. That we can use. Yes. Feels purposeful and integrated and just really, really beautiful. And more fantastic drums. Yes, those were great. More beautiful costumes. Yes. Lots of white that were gorgeous. Yes. Yes. And a little bit of K pop. Yes, that was great. Love that. And the moment for you, Bonda B skateboarding in yes (laughs) i almost i i didn't watch it live i'd been watching it live or if i knew you were watching it at the same time i would have called you at that moment and say do you see this as he comes skating in and he has like a really playful stance oh my gosh he stands with the little girl and he taps her on the shoulder that was fantastic use of mascot i i will tell you bond w has been killing it and I've been getting the daily emails from Pyeongchang, and I'm going to have to go back and look for, see if I still have the ones from the Olympics and see what they do with Suharang, because there are little videos that they put in or what, what's Bondabi been up to. But one of them is, what does Bondabi buy at the uh, Paralympic store? I saw that, where he was hiding the Suharangs. <laughs> <in> the t- <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Okay, so you- you have to you have to tell the story because this, oh this is this is your yes. shtick. So Banda B is in the the big superstore in Pyeongchang, and he there's a big bin of uh, little Suharang and Banda B stuffed mascots, and he sees the Suharang, and he like 
kind of tosses it on the floor. Like, sneakily tosses it on the floor. Then he's like, hmm, let me pile some more Bonda bees on top of Suharangs. And then it, it got to be the point where they were just all covered. And that's all you wanted to buy was a Bonda bee, because that's all you could see. <laughs> and did you notice that the Bonda bee in the videos has a sparkly nose? No, I haven't. Oh, give he's me another not... reason to go back and rewatch them. His <laughs> nose is sparkly. The only thing I did not like or I didn't understand in the opening ceremonies was that steampunk Ferris wheel flying car. It was oh, cool, right, right. but I didn't, I didn't get it. The reason you couldn't understand what that steampunk thing was is because Andrea Joyce and Chris Waddell could not shut up about the sports or his competition or whatever they were trying to talk about and explain what, how the Paralympics worked. And they, they wouldn't tell us what was going on on stage. Okay. I was spared that because I watched the stream. Oh, lucky you. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, they, they, I was so not upset, but it was just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I kind of had the opposite experience with the announcers on the stream. Really? They didn't tell me what was, what things were and what they meant. And what was happening, which on the one hand was nice because I felt like I was experiencing it as the people in the stadium would be experiencing it. They don't have somebody explaining it to right, them as they're right. watching it. But I would have liked a little bit more. Okay. So some sometimes I know, because usually I'm always like, please stop talking. But I would right. have liked to understand what that flying And maybe that was because I'm assuming they were in the booth in Stanford. So I wonder if it was easier to just get wrapped up in the conversation that you're having and forget that you're watching uh, an opening ceremony and you're supposed to be from a stadium. Because I don't think nobody is there, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I'm I don't I'm not sure I'd have to. Because I know I know Carolyn Mano, she's in Stanford. Right. And we know Taylor Lipset doing the sled hockey. Yes. Is in is in Stanford. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. So I, I'm curious to see what the closing ceremonies will be like. Yes. In the, the four CBA. for four Pyeongchang. Let's do oh, it. Oh, they're gonna do it. And and you know what else was great with the the torch lighting? Garlic girl. Garlic girl and wheelchair curler. Yes, fantastic. That was pretty awesome. I got a little nervous. There was that moment where it wasn't lighting. Yeah, I did too. I got a little nervous. I was like, oh no, what happens if it doesn't light? I know. And then when the when the climber was climbing up that last section with the oh, torch on his back. Oh, that was fantastic. It was fabulous, but I was worried he was going to light his head on fire. Because he, he had the hat with the pom-pom. And the pom-pom was kind of bouncing behind his head. And he had the torch on his back. And I was so nervous. Like, oh my God, what if you light one of these people on fire yeah it would be that would be that would be bad but i assume they practiced i know but you can't i guess you can but i was worried yeah it was beautiful they did they did such a beautiful job they did a beautiful job yeah that was that was very enjoyable so on to the sports what have you been watching oh gosh i have caught a little bit of i think everything okay and I'm, I apologize for being more focused on the sport and how it works versus a lot of the athletes. Like some of them I recognize now, like Marie Boucher has been killing it on the downhill, on the alpine, mm-hmm. in the alpine skiing. And there are a couple other names I recognize. And of course, the Team USA names that we've heard about a lot over the last right. few months. Well, do, let's just start with alpine. 
Let's, let's start with Alpine because that's we'll what I've been watching. The, we'll go down the, the most. We'll go down the list. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. I've had a bit of an evolution watching Alpine mm-hmm. because when I started, I was very focused on the para part of Paralympic mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how it worked, the mono ski and the poles with the runners on them. Right. And I was also very concerned when somebody fell. And we all know that I worry a lot about the athletes and them getting hurt and that's nothing. But I was worried about them falling and not being able to get up because they are disabled. And then I got really mad at myself Mm -hmm. because that's how I was thinking about it because I realized what I was thinking. But the more I watched, the more I'm like, I was getting into the Olympic part of Paralympic and just the racing. Right. And and I want to call out, and I'm really annoyed because I don't know their names, the two British announcers from the Olympic Broadcasting Service because they never say their names when they start talking. And I've been trying to find them everywhere and I cannot find them because they've been so good about treating it as just an athletic event and really focusing on that portion of it. And one of the things that really struck me was one of the racers coming down, she was one of the favorites, she completely wiped out. And the announcer says, well, that's not the day she was hoping for. (laughs) And it was so perfect because he wasn't treating it like anything but another ski race. She popped up, clearly wasn't hurt. But she had wiped out and she was out of the downhill. And the way they were announcing it really made me focus on the sport. That's good. And not the para part. But I was totally fascinated with the monoski. And how do you stay up on that thing? Right. The the balance required. And, you know, oh. I was just looking at uh, when I was watching uh, the other day, looking at the skiers who had one leg or a partial leg and the enormous amount of core strength they must have to have the balance and it, yeah it's just it's crazy and I loved watching the visually impaired because I'm still fascinated by the the guide athlete relationship yes, yes. and on the feed this isn't true of NBC so on the stream excuse me you don't hear it as well on NBC Sport Network but the way they have the course mic'd up on the stream you can really hear the guide and skier talking to each other at some points so a couple of times people would be coming down the hill and all you would hear is this ah and I know that's not what they're doing but I enjoyed that because I said oh I'm just like Olympic athletes because if I was going down that downhill that's what you would hear from me (laughs) but some Sometimes you could really hear them talking to each other or what sounded like talking to each other. It was clearly some verbal cues. So that was interesting. It's just been fascinating. And one of those moments where you think that would be an interesting relationship to have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, that went down a rabbit hole of me looking for different, uh, guide services because it was also interesting to hear how athletes have several guides mm-hmm. and they may have several guides with them at the Paralympics because the guides need to stay fresh but also the fact that 
finding the right guide for you could take a while, which was really fascinating to me. Right. And, and then there are several partners of siblings. Yes. Which I, I thought was great because you naturally, you know, just like we talk about the ship sibs or, you know, other partnerships, it's that same thing where there's a comfort level and a trust. It's just yeah. fascinating to see that relationship mm -hmm. kind of expanded. And I, I know I was talking about this on Twitter with uh, listener Quinn was talking about, we, we were talking a little bit about the, the guide relationship and how interesting it was. And I got to say, I did find an organization called Vision Aware that will help you learn how to be a guide for people. And they need guides for running, bowling, skiing. There's Salem huh. and boating. There's tandem cycling. Wow. Just, well, I don't know how if you can be a guide for all of these. But, but Vision Aware teaches you how to do these sports after you have vision loss. Huh. Amazing. Do the guides get a medal? Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So it's really a team. It really is. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And it's it's interesting to watch them in cross country and biathlon too, because there's different rules about, you know, they can grab onto poles at certain points in the race, like on downhills, so that they don't crash. But you can't guide them. Right. So, so if they're oh, going okay. on a downhill, the guide sticks their pole back and the athlete holds on to it and they kind of get dragged down the hill and they can go only so far. There's like a zone where you can hold on to somebody's pole and then you have to let go so that you ski again on your own. But that's so that the athlete just doesn't wipe out on a hill. Huh? So it's, it's really fascinating to see how all the adaptation works. I think. Yeah. I haven't seen the visually impaired cross country. I've seen sitting cross country mm -hmm. because I did watch the Oksana Masters race, which was really exciting. Oh, I know because she dislocated her elbow two weeks mm -hmm. ago and re-injured it a couple of days ago. Right. In the biathlon race. So she had to drop out of the biathlon race because she kind of fell and fell on it and was in a ton of pain and got carried off of the course. And uh, it was it was fun listening to her talk at the end of her gold medal race in the cross country because she was just so thankful and appreciative for all of the medical staff who taped her back up and got her back on. <laughs> and in the semis, they were talking about how painful it must be for her to compete because every it's time all you, arms. it's all arms. And every time you dig your pole into the snow, you're hitting your, you're feeling it in your elbow. Okay. So I, I mentioned before, the Olympics in Pyeongchang, I mm -hmm. had a little tennis elbow. I had some tendonitis in my elbow. Mm -hmm. And every time I go to pick up a book or a glass mm -hmm. with that very close to hand, there's a, a burning pain that shoots up my arm. And that is just a little tiny. So I'm like dropping things left and right. Mm -hmm. And this is just a little tiny swollen tendon. I cannot imagine skiing with the dislocated elbow. I mean, how do you do that? How do you get past that pain? I don't know. I know, I know they, they were saying mind over matter, but that almost means nothing when you put it into perspective of how much she probably, how hurt she probably for felt. Your, like, I'll go to pick up a glass and if I, if it's too narrow and I pinch it too tight, I, my hand just reacts. Mm -hmm. 
It's yeah, not. So how did she get herself to choice. not? How do you get yourself not to let go of the pole to, to fight that natural body protective reaction? I don't know. I don't know. That's why she's there and I'm here. <laughs> but I, I did want to mention something that I noticed at the medal ceremony. She mm -hmm. was fantastic at the medal ceremony, by the way. You have to watch it okay. when you, when you go back. But uh, the silver medalist, Andrea Eskow, I mm -hmm. hope I'm pronouncing that right, from Germany, when they gave her her Bonda B, she cuddled it. Oh, and they got she gave Bonda a Bs. Smile. Okay, and this was at the, yes. the ceremony at the venue because every ceremony no. I've seen. Okay, oh, this is the actual medal ceremony. Medal this ceremony. Is the okay. actual medal ceremony. Okay. They, and she cuddled her Bonda B. And that oh, just, I was like, gosh. oh. Because that I'm, made me love you all the more. I'm, now I'm going to have to go find some medal ceremonies because. I have seen plenty of the recognition ceremonies at the venues and nobody's gotten a Bondubby and I was very, very worried about this. No, they're getting them at yes. the medal ceremonies. Okay. So they are getting the, the fancy ones with that. Yes, with the, the, the head. Traditional Korean yes, hats. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, because I, I ended up seeing pictures of them and I went, oh, thank goodness. I'm so glad Oksana Masters won a gold medal. Oh. She was trying really hard. She had gotten what silver, and uh, she okay. got silver in one of the biathlon events. Had to drop out of a biathlon event. the The biathlon's been really cool to watch because we've been fascinated with how the guns work, of course, in our house. Because the <laughs> the non visually impaired athletes have to use air guns, so we've been watching to see how they kind of load, quote unquote, load and unload or, or recock it after a, a shot. But it's fun to watch the. Have you, have you seen any of the visually impaired biathlon? No. The fun thing is that you get to hear, at least on the feeds that I've watched, you hear the sounds that they hear. So when they're aiming the rifle towards the target, the sound pitch goes up. And uh, when you hear it at a certain high pitch, that means they're zeroed in on the target and it should fall down. So you hear kind of a huh. kind of thing. And when it's at that high pitch, that's when they should shoot because that should be when they are aimed correctly at the target. And it's huh. really interesting to be able to listen in and hear what they hear and understand better why they're hitting and why they're missing. It's just fascinating. Right. Yeah. Huh. I, wow. That's a whole other, instead of eye-hand coordination, ear-hand yes. coordination. Yes. Yes. In old school, making you cry. Yes. If you have a second, watch the Tyler Walker interview after he won the silver medal in Giant Slalom. This is his post-race interview. Mm -hmm. And as they're interviewing him, he's realizing that he just won a Paralympic medal. And then all of a sudden, he's like, yep, it just hit me. <laughs> oh. It's like he's eating... Yeah, he's like, it's eating a really spicy meal, mm -hmm. and the heat just hit you, and then he just starts sobbing. Oh. Really, really good. Well, let's let's cover the last so snow sport before we head on to the ice. Did you watch any of the snowboarding? I didn't. Oh, okay. Controversy and the snowboard, because I was watching some snowboard cross. As you know, I love snowboard cross. You and do? And the races here are uh, just two people on the track at the same time. They're not four. So they have okay. those starting gates and they say, you know, racer, red course, racer, blue course. And attention. And then they drop the gate. 
Well, somewhere during the competition, the gate broke. <gasps> and they had a big stoppage to figure out what to do. And they couldn't get it fixed. And I, I didn't see when the gate was actually breaking. I, I had the my tablet on and I was just doing stuff around the house. And I came back. I'm like, well, what's this? They're just kind of standing around. Let me go watch another sport for a little while. And then I came back and I realized there was controversy. So I tried to back it up a little bit. And it looked like a coach. And it was a, a guy from Canada who like said, okay, we got to figure this out. And they heard, herded all the coaches around to figure out what to do. And the the Canadian coach basically said, okay, we have to figure out something or we have to cancel the race. And the system they came up with was pulling, a, strapping a bungee in front of every gate and the starter would pull the bungees across as tight as they could go. And he would say, attention, and then he'd release the bungee cords at the same time. And they'd whip it open in the gate. <laughs> Technically, the gate would be open. Yeah. And so you, I watched them try to figure out, like, can we do this? And some coaches, you could see, were like, huh, I don't know. And the, the Canadian coach was like, okay, if, you know, it's also, we could cancel the race. So let's take a vote. And they had a little vote whether or not this was a workable system. And it that was a workable system because they continued racing and the starter guy had to pull these bungee cords across his body as far as he could and as tight as he could because they had to be able to snap far enough away to not impede the skier when they went down the course. Leave it to the Canadian coach. <laughs> he's he's going to make it work. Yeah, right? He, and, he's and you can tell like, when, when he said cancel, we're, otherwise we had to cancel the event and there was no rescheduling. It was just like, that's it. We cancel and there's no rescheduling. And you could tell that nobody wanted to do that to the athletes. No. Of course not. Canadian will make it happen. Good on him for figuring something <laughs> out or good on them yeah. for coming up with a, right. you know, a MacGyver solution, but making sure that that race happened. Right. Imagine Crazy. how many bruises he got from snapping that bungee cord. Oh, gosh, I cannot imagine just the strength. Is... <laughs> the, the poor starter had to have been so tired when the day was over. That is not a job you would want. No. In the list of jobs that Jill wants at the Olympics. Well, Pulling I wouldn't mind me the starter, eight... but having to do that, having to do yeah. that version. I'm telling you, opening and closing the door at figure skating. That's my job. <laughs> Oh man! Well, let's go inside and talk. Let's talk about curling quickly because I know you haven't seen it. I've only watched a little bit of curling, mm -hmm. and um, I can tell you that the U.S. is not doing well Aww. in the round robin. The last I saw, they they beat Great Britain today, and that was their second win of the tournament so far. And but the Koreans are doing really well. I think they were second place awesome. in the standings, so I was really excited about that. And I gotta say. I'm getting to an evolution with curling because at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is not interesting to watch very much because there's no sweeping. So everything is based off of the stick throw and the accuracy levels go way down because, okay. you know, everything I saw, they're getting it over, but it necessarily, sometimes it goes way too far. Or it just doesn't go, you know, getting it to where they want it to go is is a lot more difficult. And then I realized as I'm watching today, that's a lot more complex and that's kind of interesting in how that works. 
So it, okay. it's uh, the, the teams are all mixed gender. So there's usually at least there at least one woman on a team. It, it is interesting and I'm, I'm getting to like it more. So I want to, and of course, when I watched the beginning of today's curling match, okay. So first of all, because it's indoor, whoever's doing the camera work on the Olympic broadcast system, they are doing the same thing that they did in the Olympics where they take a little stuffed bondabi and they'll have them in the venue and they focus the camera on that first thing, just like a little welcome. So they had bondabi on the little curling ice by the, by the curling ice and, and whoever had so him right off the bat, you're like, <laughs> yes, right oh. off the bat. I'm so excited. And they're like shaking him around. So he looks like he's waving and they're so super excited about curling. <laughs> now I know how to win you over. I know. Well, and I didn't notice this during the Olympics, but in the Paralympics and the, the grand walkout, because um, they, they bring them out with the bagpipers and they have the, the military guards with the, uh, leading every team, holding their sign. But they also had a big bondabi walking down the middle of the ice. But I am, I'm going to watch more curling now that like a lot of the downhill seems to be winding down. A bit because I have been focusing more on the skiing events than the indoor events, but I'm I'm looking forward to watching more curling and trying to pick up how how it works. Now, have you been watching sled hockey? I've watched some sled hockey, yes. As as have I. Now we're just getting to the medal round, right? Because they're getting out of round round. Because that's one like I will say, just the U.S. annihilating some teams has been amazing just the amount of goals that they've been able to score like you turn your head and they score two or three goals it was crazy you see I don't I don't enjoy those kinds of games no I mean it's hard because you're like how can the other team get back and can they you know salvage something yeah I I never like a blowout in any kind of sporting event I haven't watched a ton uh, so I've watched like a period here, a period there. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched an entire game because so many of the round robins have been very one-sided, but it is very fast. Oh, and the stick handling. Oh my gosh. Just the, 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 what, yeah. I, I will practice. And <laughs> um, I've noticed just the sheer ability of the American athletes over some of the teams that they faced and really blown out, just the quality of play is above and beyond what the other team has to offer. And hopefully the sport will be uplifted throughout the world and, and you can get more of a level playing field. But I'm really right. looking forward to the next round of plays when we get the leading teams in the round robins against each other and really see some of these matchups. Right, because it is... It is a fast-moving sport. Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. I and did not expect. I don't know why I didn't think they would move as as fast as they do. Mm-hmm. And you like know, I thought the sleds would be slower. Oh, interesting. Then, right. Right. Well, it was because interesting. Because the weight of the sled, I right. thought it would slow you down as an athlete, but it seems to no, actually. No, they look like they're light. Yes. They seem like they're flying on the ice. It's oh, yeah. So beautiful. But I haven't noticed the refs. I wanted to pay attention to the standing refs, and I 
Mm, I haven't yeah. been because I've been so amazed by these guys. <laughs> well, that's what. So that's, fast. Well, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to notice right. the refs. So, and we should say our friend. Oh, Taylor, Taylor Ellipsit is doing such a good job. Such a good on, job on the, on the commentary. I know, I know. He was nervous and he was excited, and he's running on coffee and adrenaline. But yeah, he's doing a great job. It's just the the chemistry between the the two, him and his fellow commentators, is very good. Very comfortable. Right. So yeah. Very, so very it was funny. He posted on Instagram how when he gets back to the hotel, he has dinner at the breakfast buffet. Oh man, that's he's that's when he's coming back because he's you know that he's living on Pyeong, uh, Pyeongchang time. Right. Even though he's here on the East Coast. Wow. So, oh, man. yeah. <laughs> man, oh, man. He's not going to know what hit him. I know. Just think of the, the jet lag he'll have going back to regular life. I right? know. And he's gotten hit with three Nor'easters. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's really getting the, uh, the, full, the full Monty of New England <laughs> while he's here. But I yeah, said, it's I wrote so him a, a message where I said, you know, we in New England like to roll out the red carpet of welcome. We like to give you all the seasons during your <laughs> Very so true. Very uh, true. It's very true. <laughs> but yeah, he's been doing a really good job. So that's yeah. been fun to listen to. It has been fun. So anything else? No. Okay. That was all my notes. Okay. But it's been, it's been really fun watching them. It's been fun learning about them more it's been fun learning about them and getting excited for the sport if that makes right. sense i think being able yep. to immerse ourselves in it a little bit more has made it a lot more exciting you know when you were talking to robert walsh uh in the interview we aired mm -hmm. last week he was talking about you know really focusing on the competitions mm -hmm. and focusing on the athletes and the more i watch the more i do that right the less I focus on the Barry Carrillo stories. Right. And they don't seem to be doing that much of that this time. Yeah, they really haven't been doing much of the Mar Mary Carrillo story, which has been fantastic. Right. Really focusing on the athletic competitions, right. which really has been fun to watch. Right. And, and I want to say, like, the other thing that I have been nonstop thinking about is – I would love to see more people involved in these sports. Yeah. Because it's been what's been really sad is is I've seen some biathlon in especially in the women's competition where there's only 8 people in the race. Yes, the and limited been, fields. That's been that's been making me a little bit sad and I don't know why. Because I don't know if it's you couldn't qualify and there's way more there are more participants around the the world who are competing in World Cup and just don't meet whatever standard to get into the Paralympics. But it, it also, it, just the sheer number of athletes in these games is low, I would say. Well, it's more than ever before. They have more events than ever before. Yes, that is they also true. They have more participants in most events. They're adding events. Yes. And I realize that the numbers aren't just going to be ever as high as able-bodied sports no but i'm sure there are plenty of people out there who have disabilities and don't know to try this out 
Well, NBC has doubled its coverage from yes, Sochi. which is fantastic. Right. So clearly the Paralympic movement is going in the right direction yes. growth-wise. Yes. So you can think of it as if you look at the numbers from Sochi, just from Sochi, mm-hmm. more events, more athletes, more coverage, more sponsors. Yes. So more money. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway. So we're going, we're, we're going We're going in the right, in the direction, right direction. And the IOC has partnered with them through, I believe, 2032. So that's also a good thing to have that momentum going forever. You know, I would I will say the one thing I have really noticed, speaking of sponsors, is the advertising. Have you noticed huh. that? Because there's well, advertising. I've been watching mostly the streams because I had all those days. No, where... no, no. The advertising in the venues. Oh, no. It's so funny you say that. I didn't notice. Oh, because I've noticed it right away. Uh, the athlete bibs, I've seen some have been sponsored by North Face. Some have been sponsored by Panasonic. Uh, Korea Air has got something on every rifle. They've got little stickers. So every there are huh. ads, ads all throughout the venues. Oh, yeah. It, now that you say that from uh, Alpine Skiing, Korea uh, is it Korea Air or Korean Air? See, their advertising didn't work. <laughs> they had the start gate yes. was tagged. Yes. And then there's banners along the side at the start. Yeah. And, I um, didn't I absorb it until you said it. Right. And the, there's ads in the ice on the, the curling sheets. Yep. Huh. It's very interesting. And I, I know that one of the things I really liked about the Olympics was not seeing advertising everywhere because it's just so pervasive and it's nice to have that break. I know it's unrealistic to think that sports can exist without advertising. That's crazy. And it was a nice little break, but I also know that it, it also just reinforced the idea that the, that the international Paralympic committee is a totally different organization. Right. With different, needs and different ideas and i'm sure having that advertising has made a world of difference and to getting sponsors that they probably greatly need how about we think about it this way isn't it great that so many companies want their brand associated with the paralympics because they obviously think it's going to be a positive yeah boost oh yeah yeah definitely Definitely. And that can only help the movement that, you know, just from our limited experience, we want to see grow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. Let's all fly Korea Air. (laughs) And buy some North Face gear, some Panasonic electronics. So if you've got some Paralympic thoughts and and notes on what you've been watching, feel free to give us a call at 530-763-3837. That's our voicemail line. Or you can drop us an email at info at olimfever.com. Uh, we love hearing from you. We're also on Facebook at olimfever and Twitter at olimfever. And Allison is on Instagram at Allison Olimfever. So, yeah, hit us up because we love hearing from you. And it's been so much fun interacting and getting to interact more again during and, and talk about the Paralympic competition as well. Yeah. And corrections, expansions on all these things that we're just, I mean, we're just sticking our toes into this pool. Right. So, so yeah, we we take any and all information. (laughs) We will be back next week 
with uh, another regular show. It's time to get into the off season or an off Olympic year season, and we've got some exciting stuff planned. So we are looking forward to bringing those shows to you. On that note, we will close out this show. So thank you very much for listening. Kamsamnida, and we'll talk to you next week.